Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 124 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am your host, Eric Walquist, and joining me this week, like he does every week, is my other host... Uh, Jesse, the terrible treble Wilson. Jesse, thank you for hosting this week. Uh, thank you for hosting this week. You've been a wonderful host. Yeah, you too. And that's a wrap, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Tune in next week for more of that. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so Jesse, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty. I'm doing pretty good. Um, no? yesterday at work, um, I so I wear extra tufts, which are like a boot or a neoprene boot. I thought extra tufts were like a pull-up diaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's extra loves. Oh, okay, okay. Um, extra tufts <laughs> are like a, a waterproof boot. They're uh-huh. popular on like fishing boats and stuff. Anyway, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I wear those. And yesterday uh, I was handling, a, uh, I don't even remember what, but it, was, it must have been a bucket filled with water. And I spilled the water down inside <laughs> my boot, <laughs> down the top. So obviously it wasn't going anywhere because they're waterproof. Oh god, worst possible thing. So I just had a I had a wet foot, one wet foot all day. It was it was a bummer. Wet foot. Isn't yeah. that what they call? Isn't that what they call a novice brewer? <laughs> wet foot. Wet foot. No, they call that a a drunk forklift operator. <laughs> Excellent. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm really tired. I feel like my body is like finally recovering from the wedding mm-hmm. and from like the like the stress of the wedding and then there's like this period of exhaustion. I'm coming out of that and now I realize oh crap it's Christmas next week. It is. It yeah. snuck up on me so hard. I did some last minute shopping on amazon.com last night. Yeah, I'm going to have to do my all my shopping actually in person, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah. I I'm down to I got to buy one more gift mm-hmm. and I I'm, I'm going to I'm going to keep it local for that one. I'm going to walk out of my door, <laughs> get in my car, drive uh-huh. to a store, get uh-huh. get this. I'm driving to a store, going to a shelf Picking up an item, taking it to the cashier, and then they don't even mail it to my house. I have to take it back myself. Yeah. What is this? What is this place? Cuba? <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited. I do love the idea that you're compelled to do all of that out of this weird social obligation. To, like, not be in your house in your underwear buying stuff. No, because, like, <laughs> you're obligated to buy stuff for people mm-hmm. that you wouldn't do anyway. This whole social pressure to buy people stuff is very bizarre. <laughs> uh, it, it is interesting. And it's we're celebrating a holiday. I don't know. I feel like my obligation has gone down a lot more because I only have like three people I need to buy presents for. Yeah, my list is pretty short right yeah. now. Uh, and I really do actually want to buy presents for those people. Like we didn't do like the holiday Christmas thing at work, like the Secret Santa. I don't know. It's, 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 what are we doing? We're complaining about Christmas. I know, a couple of Scrooges. Couple of Scrooges being Scroogey. Speaking of Scrooge, what are you drinking, bro? Um, I am drinking my homebrew. Uh huh. Which I poured out of my very own and very new kegerator. Ah, what? I'm very, yeah, I, I'm very excited about it. Got, got everything up and running now, and I'm pouring my own beer at my house from Draft, and uh, it's awesome. Legitimate. Except my, uh, I just, Ran out of CO2. So I'm going to have to go get that refilled tomorrow. Can't you just like breathe into it? Uh, you make a good point, Eric. Mm-hmm. I, think, <laughs> I think we should do like a, we can make like a CO2 harvest machine 
that has like two one-way valves. So you can breathe in through one valve and out through the other. And then mm -hmm. it just captures your CO2 and then you can brew your beer with that. Yeah. The problem is that um, you have to get to like 20 PSI. Uh-huh. Which is a lot of PSI. I bet you breathe 20 PSI worth of air in a day. You know, well, yeah, well, yeah, but the pressure inside this container would be so high that once it got to a certain point, you couldn't get any more in there huh. because of your weak mouth. Have you ever taken one of those uh, <laughs> things that you use to check your tire pressure? Uh-huh, you know? and tried to blow in it. And then blow into it, make yeah. the thing move. It's impossible. It is impossible. <laughs> I'm glad that you have tried this. Yeah, I have, absolutely. When I was so, a kid, I was like the I first thing. I think it would be much like that. Like my dad shows it to me. He's like, see, this will show you how much air you have. And I try to blow in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> this week, I am drinking the Krampus Hell's Lager uh, from Southern Tier Brewing Company in Lakewood, New York. Hell's Lagers are a nice little style that are gaining some traction here. This is a lager, but it'll kick yep. your ass. It's 9%. Ooh, that's a big boy. Yeah. 9% lager. It's an Imperial Hell's Lager, and it's named after Krampus. It's their winter seasonal. So, as you know, Krampus is the uh, counterpart to St. Nicholas. Right. It's that crazy one that, like, kidnaps kids. Well, and sells them into slavery or something. Um, what he does is uh, Krampus, uh, you know, Santa gives your kids presents. He loves your kids and gives them what they want. Uh, Krampus has hooves, goat's horns. Mm -hmm. He's hairy. He's got a long pointed tongue. Uh, he carries chains, which he thrashes for a dramatic effect. <laughs> uh <laughs> They're accompanied with bells of various sizes. Um, he's got branches. Uh, he swats children with the branches. <laughs> he's got. Uh, he's just a, he's a, he's kind of a creepy dude, and he he destroys children instead of giving them presents. So, if you want, you should look up online. Anthony Bourdain actually did a pretty good little animation about what Krampus is. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of nice that they. Uh, they decided to name this beer after him because it will kick your ass, just like Krampus will. That's funny. There's also a Venture Bros Christmas special about Krampus. <laughs> Krampus has been slowly creeping into the, uh, creepily creeping into yeah. the uh, <laughs> to the Christmas lexicon these days. I like it. Yeah. I um, do want to mention I'm I'm also accompanying my homebrew with uh, two spirits, one of which is the Bullet Bourbon. Uh, uh -huh. Left over from your wedding. Uh-huh. And the other one I'll talk about a little bit later. All righty then. Um, so I think we should get to li uh, listener mail. Uh, we mm -hmm. got a listener mail from all the way from Germany. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Dennis writing in. Uh, he says, first things first, you're doing one hell of a podcast. You're doing one hell of a fine listening job, Dennis. I just want to say <laughs> that. Wow. You are listening. Jiu Jitsu, that one right back at him. You are listening like a champ. Uh, and he says, I, I found you through the Legendary Bald Move Network, Company Men. Now I heard every episode since 95, so I have a few questions. First of all, have we ever played games from the Metal Gear Solid series, and what is our opinion of the series? Now, I've never played a Metal Gear Solid game. Have you? 
I've played them pretty briefly. I've never yeah. actually owned a PlayStation. That's and, the problem. Uh, for a while, they were like PlayStation exclusive. I right. think now they're they're multi-platform. But I never really had the opportunity. What little I did play of them, I liked because mm-hmm. I, I like stealth games. Yeah. And this is this one's all about being sneaky. Um, like I did this. play as uh, the guy Solid Snake uh-huh. on Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Well, that's good. And that's fun. That works. Yeah, that's the thing is that we're you know we buy local. We're Xbox guys. <laughs> so <Buy> local. <laughs> <laughs> it's my way to support the local economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> we just play Xbox and, and shop on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Uh. Basically, wow, we really are Seattle fanboys, aren't we? We are Seattle fanboys. We've always been. That's uh, true. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, it's just kind of the type of thing that we never really got around to because we're not really PlayStation dudes. But uh, I, I know that PlayStation is bigger in Europe, so. Um, That's true. If you, you know what I think part of it is? What? Is that uh, PlayStation is the must-have console for auto racing sims ah. namely Gran Turismo and that kind of racing is much more popular in mm. Europe than America yeah like the the um, kind of rally course racing yeah exactly that's no. it like rally and just, just yeah. like anything but NASCAR essentially and that's what you get with Gran Turismo mm-hmm. also soccer games are better on PlayStation yeah G- give me some FIFA um, yeah exactly so if you like FIFA or auto racing you're probably going to want PlayStation prob uh, but if you want Madden and I don't know, Halo more Madden. Than <laughs> yeah, Madden and Halo. It'd be funny if Xbox had like a NASCAR game that was super popular, like <laughs> their version of Gran Turismo that was Xbox exclusive. See, that's what I don't understand. Is like I, I think that the, you know those games kind of exist. Uh, like Gran Turismo, it does a lot of different racing, but I don't know if it does NASCAR. I don't know why they will just loop that in. Anyway, uh, uh, whatever. Probably because the people wouldn't care for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. That is one thing. I that is one thing I really like about FIFA, though, is they use like all of the soccer clubs in the world. So like you can play the Sounders on FIFA, which is cool. Which is really cool. You could do like Sounders versus Chelsea or like some Ivory Coast team or something. Um, okay, second question is what? What's your mind on the Walking Dead adventure from Telltale? <laughs> and I haven't played this game yet either. Um, so Dennis, I'm sorry we're kind of popping yeah. popping your bubbles here, but I am very excited about it. There's a couple things that I'm extremely excited about. First of all, it's a it's based on The Walking Dead, and as you know, as bald move guys, we love uh, anything that has to do with The Walking Dead. Um, right. Secondly, it's a point and click adventure game, which are is one of my favorite genres, and it died in the '90s. Yeah, that's like Eric's thing. It's my thing, man. I love point-and-click adventure games, and this is a point-and-click adventure, and it's kind of revitalizing the the whole thing. We have this coming out. We have uh, Double Fine's new uh, point-and-click adventure, which I kickstarted coming out. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to see a new era of point-and-click adventures. I mean, tablets are are perfectly suited for point-and-click adventures. The third part is that this game is getting a lot of cred. Yeah, uh, I've heard really good things about it. The Spike uh, VGAs, the Video Game Awards, they gave it Game of the Year, Best Adapted Video Game, Best Downloadable Game. They gave it Best Performance by a Human Female, Best Performance by a Human Male, and they gave two Telltale Games uh, Studio of the Year. So it basically was like the Return of the King of the VGAs. Wow. Uh, 
So, I mean, I really want to play it, and I can't wait. And that's an early reco, because you can just get it on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, or I think you can get it on Steam. Steam, yeah. Pick it up, baby. It's yeah, a downloadable dude, you can probably game. get a good deal. It's episodic, I think. So you can Yeah, it is episodic. Get, like, the earlier ones for cheaper, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, that, that might be a good way to, to spend the holidays by yourself in front of your video game console. Uh-huh. The, the way baby Jesus intended. <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus. Uh, and then the third question we can actually answer, which I think is great. It's what, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a refreshing change of pace. It, it is. Uh, the third, third question is, what German beer have you tasted in your lifetime thus far? I think that that's a little broad. Yeah, I've had a lot of German beers, especially because, Eric, you know this. There are, there are a couple of really good German beer bars in Seattle. Yeah. Um, Schultz being one, I had a bit of a falling out with them after well, their horrible service. But um, Schultz's is a it's a u it's a university district uh, beer bar, and and I've fallen I've pretty much fallen out of favor with all U district bars. They were yeah. fun. it was fun while it lasted. I think it's fun when you're that age, but once you're not that age, it's not as fun anymore. Yeah, they were aggressively. Uh, malicious to me, though. So oh, really? I, I particularly don't like them, which is unfortunate because they have a wide selection of fantastic uh, German brews. But there's that other one, um, kind of in like the in Greenwood, South baby? Lake area. Oh, in South Lake. Oh, I do, do know, know what, what you're talking called? about. I, f- I can't remember what it's called, but I do know that's in East Lake. Um, but my favorite is Prost. That's a really good one, though. Yeah, my favorite is Prost up here in Greenwood. Oh, of course, Prost. I think they have one in West Seattle, too. Prost has a great yeah. selection, too. Yeah, so that's, and so my favorite German beer, uh, beating around the bush here, but my favorite German beer is definitely the Spaten Optimator. I was going to say Optimator, too. I had a really bad bottle of it recently, though. Oh, uh, I only get it in a tap. Yeah, I think I, I think that was my mistake, is buying it in a bottle. The Spaten Optimator, it's very good. But, Dennis, I'll tell you what. What? And you should appreciate this if you're a beer fan, which I'm sure you are, is, uh, frankly, German beer that gets served, especially on the West Coast of America, just isn't going to be as good. And I don't think yep. I can have an accurate judgment of German beer until I go there and have it right. close to the source, as it were. Exactly. So, Dennis, we are, uh, I mean, I think you've actually, by virtue of your email, have invited us to Germany I, I to stay with frankly, you. I think, you've basically offered to pay for our plane tickets and hotels <laughs> or, just, we or we just we can just your house. crash on your couch yeah we'll just stay That's at your fine. house and uh and then we'll just drink beer uh served by dirndls we'll love it <laughs> exactly anyway dennis we love you thank you for writing in um thanks for listening to germany why don't you tell some german people about us yeah, that's awesome. That I would think, be great. I mean, we we play so there's a guitar and we drink beer. Right. Like, what more could you want? Exactly. Klaus We're Teuber. practically German. Practically, I am actually part German. Eric goes to Bavaria, uh, not Bavaria, Leavenworth. I like, do every other weekend. It's like little Germany here in Washington. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and then he also has offered to do a geek trivia question game for us, and we say, of course. Mm-hmm. We love nothing more than geek trivia and question games. All right, Jesse, are you ready to start this thing off? Let's do it. Do you have a but? Do you have a do you have a dedication? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, this week I want to dedicate episode 124 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast to Levi, Jordy, Aaron, Gino, Ian, and you. Ah, and you. You, the Eric. And you, because and you, the Jesse. That- 
that is yeah exactly that is the uh bipax crew and right. we're going to be well by the end of it we're frankly going to be sick of each other but that just <laughs> means it's going to be a great weekend right so uh first week uh super bowl weekend in boulder colorado all the dudes are meeting up from bald move uh and we are going to have ourselves a weekend uh and it's going to be awesome and uh we'll do some live updates for you guys but uh Stay posted on that. We already have the J plane. Uh, Jesse, Jordy, and I are going to be flying over together. It's going to be a lot like the Rihanna plane, like the 777 tour, uh, but it's uh, going to be a lot more magic being played. Yeah, a lot more magic happening. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this whole Alaskan Airlines thing and how you can like reserve your seat. Right. We all get to sit next to each other without like having to be like, all right, Eric, you pay for all three tickets right. and we'll pay you back, blah, blah, right. blah. It's just bing, bing, boom. Bing, bang, boom. You're taking too long. Yeah. All so right. Let's, let's do a little tiny Matt roll off. Let's do a little tiny Matt roll off. We're just going to roll a 20 sided die and see who gets to speak first on the cast. Here we go. Eric's been on winning shake lately, and I rolled a 17. And I rolled a 9. All right. All right, so, J Dog, you're first. Um, there's been a something of a to do in uh-huh. the board, uh, not board game world, but the computer game world today, specifically mm. uh, relating to Steam, most of all. So, yeah. for those of you who don't remember, Steam is a basically a, a video game distribution service for your computer. You log on to Steam, you can buy games through it, and then download onto your computer, and it saves everything. It's just a really Really super awesome, convenient way to uh, buy your games, play your games, and uh, score a bunch of great deals. But uh, it turns out a lot of people bought what they thought was going to be a great deal, and it right. turned out to be a great headache. One of the worst uh, experiences in gaming, probably, <laughs> ever. Yeah. It's, it's like the worst. Like, it's everything that could have been, that could have gone wrong, went wrong with this. Yeah, so uh, what the game is, is called War Z. Right. And uh, essentially, from uh, what what I've read, it was a basically a ripoff of this other game called Daisy. Right, and Daisy and it, is a... A, is a, a zombie survival MMO, so... And, it, and Daisy was a mod of a game called Arma 2. Right. Uh, so this is a ripoff of a mod... <laughs> It's a ripoff of a mod, and it turned out to be a mod itself, basically. Right, and they they were they had the audacity to charge uh, full full price, which would be fine if it was a full game. But right. it turns out it wasn't. What people were buying was basically uh, it was in beta mode at best, and they offered all these um, selling points to encourage people to buy it. And it turns out uh, they were lying. These people were right. lying, and uh, uh, this game ended up becoming the top-selling game on Steam that day, which is a huge accolade. Like, yeah, and, that and, means and, and a right. lot of money, a lot of attention your way, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are going to buy it because they see it, you know, cropping up, and like uh, that's that's almost like a tacit endorsement by Steam. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know steam should they should recognize what are the top downloaded but it's the same type of thing it's like you get to the front page of itunes for your podcast and it's great advertising and then people will just exactly luckily people can listen to your podcast for for free and figure out whether they like or not (laughs) but this one they're paying they were paying fifteen dollars 
50, 50. Oh, no, it's 15. I What I saw was 50. Oh. Well, I mean, I could be wrong. Still, I, I think $15, they were selling for $50. It doesn't matter because <laughs> they bought something that was wor- wasn't worth 15 cents. Well, so it, one it, of the things that they promised, Eric, mm-hmm. was uh, that the servers would support up to 100 people, mm-hmm. which is a lot of people. Now, um, when people bought the game and started playing, there were no servers that supported more than 50 people. Okay. So, um, in an interview with GameSpy conducted with this, this, uh, like, I guess a CEO, I don't even know. And he said, what basically his rationale was 50 is up to 100. It says up to 100, and 50 is a number that's up to 100. That is bullshit. Yeah. That's not true. It really is. That's not true. That's, that's, that's an awful person. Yeah. And um, beyond that, uh, they promised multiple maps that were between 100 and 400 kilometers in size. And they delivered one map that was 100 kilometers inside. And he made basically the same argument that 100 is between 100 and 400. Oh, my God. And then um, so, again, like a, a bunch of people bought it and just couldn't play it. It was unplayable. Right. They literally couldn't. Most people couldn't even get the damn thing to start. Right. So they so pay the they money do? and it doesn't even work on their computer. Right. So they they take to the forums. They go to the Internet. They go to this website's forums and start complaining about it. And they basically they ban everyone who has any negative commentary on on the game. So right. it was this mass banning of people from their forums who had any sort of criticism, legitimate or not. And um, it, it became such a debacle that uh, Steam now has banned sales of the game and is ref- giving everyone full refunds for it, which is crazy. GG Steam. Yeah, good guy, good going Steam. But yeah. I mean, almost like that's kind of the least they can do because they have this they have this uh, platform for selling games, and this total stinker slipped by somehow. Well, so there's a couple of things here. I think, uh, you know, Steam—they're doing what they can, and it's a—it's an open Steam is an open forum, and right. uh, the analogy that I'm going to use is iTunes. So, you know, iTunes is kind of a shitty service in general. Um, it's really hard to search for things. It's hard to find things that you want. Uh, they update it every day. It's annoying. <laughs> every time you update it, you got to download Safari. It's just a bullshit <laughs> piece of shit. But we use iTunes, and you have to use iTunes if you're a podcaster, right? Yeah. And basically, yeah. If you are trying to get, and it's also really easy to get your. I mean, I can understand that it's kind of a shitty platform because it's so easy to get your uh, podcast on iTunes, and, and we appreciate that. Podcasters appreciate that. Then any yeah. dude in their basement can get a, their podcast on iTunes. It's it's great. Um, so that's it's a little bit of an open world. And then they also, you know, based on how many rate and reviews you get, how many subscribers you get, they'll pop you up on the front page. So it's not all bad. Um, but at the same time, the App Store on uh, Apple's App Store used to be a part of iTunes. Now it's its own deal. Um, that is a very controlled environment. And right. so if you want to get your app on the App Store, you have to submit it to Apple. 
They uh, review the source code to make sure it's not malicious so that it won't destroy your uh, your device. They uh, make sure that you're not making any false promises with your product. They do uh, you know compliance testing as far as uh, you know whether or not it, it holds up to their standards and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, which do you want for Steam? Because right now it seems like Steam is kind of just letting everybody open. They're the podcast world. Uh, they're letting games float to the top. Uh, they're they're not really doing a lot of review process. And it is very easy to get your podcast on iTunes, but it's extremely difficult to get your app on the App Store. Right. So do we want more games or do we only want quality games? Well, I, I think you made... You made a apt analogy, or uh-huh. you made you made a good point when you were saying, you know, sure there can be a crappy podcast, but it's free. I think any time yeah. that money, that you know, the exchange of money becomes involved, then there has to be a quality assurance level. Yeah, that because simply because it's currency, and also because you're not downloading an audio file, you're downloading a program onto your machine. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a pretty big trust yeah. level. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I think that Steam Steam is is the best. They're the best. Um they're doing it right and I hope if they if they make a Steam box, that might be the thing that gets me away from my Xbox. Yeah. From, I can from totally a see that. Pure game console perspective, because now I have my Roku, I get all my TV and stuff through Roku. So if I can get a Steam box and I use Steam to play games through a console on my television, that would be the greatest thing ever. How exactly does a Steam box work? I, I, I mean, this is a hypothetical thing they're talking about maybe having by like next Christmas. Right. I think it's just a game console with a controller, and it's got a base set of hardware um, for developers to build toward, which I enjoy. And that's why I can't really do PC gaming, because I can't afford to upgrade my computer every three months. To be able right. to play the latest games, um, but if you have a standard hardware base like an Xbox or a P- or PlayStation or a Wii, then developers can build their games for those specs, and then they'll always work on those consoles. Right. Um, so that's the advantage there, and that's why I can't really get into PC gaming because I don't really enjoy the whole oh I need to upgrade my hardware, I need to know how much RAM and uh, my my video card has and all that. Like I don't really I'm not into that. Um, I yeah, want. I want to be I'm able to play either. the game. And that's right a away. skill. Like, yeah, that's that's not something you can just do. That takes serious talent and education and right time and, commitment. And it caters know. to a certain type of gamer, and I totally understand that. And you do get better graphics, you get cooler mods, and all that. If you want to deal with that stuff, I'm just personally don't. I'm not totally into that. Like, I want my console. I want to sit down and play a game for an hour, and then be able to be on my way. So I'm the same. If Steam allows me to do that and have the service that Steam currently has uh, on a console system, I would love that. I would love it. Um, and, uh, you know, so they have to go through these growing pains, I think, uh, yeah. in order to in order to really give that service. Because Valve is, they're a video game company at their heart. Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft is a software company. Place, uh, Sony is a multimedia giant. Uh, you know, uh, and Nintendo has been in the game forever. Steam is a video game company. They make games, and then they kind of have this service, and then this service takes off and is the greatest thing ever. 
And I think they have to go through these growing pains in order to understand how to compete. But the thing is, is that they're great. They, you know, they have good customer service. They gave refunds to everybody. Um, they're making money hand over fist. Uh, Gabe Newell is, is a god of all geeks and, right. uh, you know, they're doing it right, think, but you got to hit these growing pains along the way, I think. I agree. I, I think this is a, this will be kind of a, like a, a moment for them, a defining moment. And, uh, as much as this is becoming a love song for them, like, <clears throat> this, I mean, if, if they're, this is a, a major challenge and they've approached it in a very, good way and they've turned what could have been a debacle in their whole service into kind of another just like shining example of how great of a company they are and ethical and everything right and uh yeah that's great and i i'm with you with the whole steam box thing like yeah that that could really be a game changer yeah and it, it could pull me away from my xbox i've been an xbox player for more than a decade now and it could pull me away from my xbox i think well they'll never have halo on steam so yeah that's true. Um, I'll be Xbox forever, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. They're away from oh, they're three four three. That's part of Microsoft Games. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, I I I just think that uh, the thing that Steam does is it doesn't treat its customers like customers. It treats mm-hmm. its customers like a community, mm-hmm. and I think that that is something that a lot of that Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, well, Nintendo to a certain extent understands that, but uh, it's something that these larger companies have had to uh, kind of learn over the years, but that was Steam's idea from the get-go. That was right. their mindset from the get-go, that this is our community, um, and that's how we're going to speak to these people in the right way. Like, they have a feature where you can just put your featured games, and they'll message you when those games go on sale. Yeah, that's like, amazing. That's awesome. That like, is awesome. Yeah, you're not buying it now. Okay, wait, and we'll let you know when it becomes more affordable. Right. Like I used to have to like go to when I was in college, I'd go to Best Buy and like see which games made the platinum hits. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> so I could pick them up for twenty bucks. Right. Uh, but once those things hit platinum hits, they could be platinum hits for four or five months before I see them. Steam is like, oh, well, we'll just tell you as soon as they go on sale because we know you like this game. Like, right. Features like that are what set Steam apart. Yeah, and yeah. their their crazy sales that they have right. twice a year, and their the humble in, indie bundles where you can pay what you want, and it all goes to charity. It's it's amazing. Yeah, so good I, guys. That's a company to work for. Yeah, that's true, and they have amazing. I've watched like I've watched tours of their uh, building online. Uh, numerous websites have done tours of the Valve Studios, and it's like the coolest place. Yeah. To work is I'm right gonna, here. I'm gonna write Gabe and uh, yeah, see just if write he him. wants to hire a professional brewer. I'm sure he never. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't get a lot of uh, job applications. <laughs> well, not for brewer. That's true. They are looking for. I so <laughs> I've looked at their site in the past uh, when I was looking for a job, and they were they have a bunch of jobs, and then they're like they're hiring for like a psychologist. And like they're doing a lot of like internal things, and they're like, and we're always open to like whoever wants to apply. So if you have a special talent, just apply to us. Well, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Do it, man. Steam beer. The, <laughs> the Imperial uh, Steam Stout. Anchor Steam. Look out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to move on. Uh, so my first topic this week is uh, going to be a movie. That a few people saw this weekend. 
and I saw it too. It's The Hobbit. And uh, I'm not going to do... I'm not gonna, I've heard mixed reviews. You've heard mixed reviews? Okay. Well, I'm going to give you a review, but it's not going to be spoiler-filled. So just right off the bat, you don't have to skip ahead if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to fill this thing up with spoilers, but I'm going to tell you my take on my take on The Hobbit. Okay. Uh, and there's a couple things uh, that I want to cover. So first of all, I saw the movie in the high frame rate, mm-hmm. um, in high frame rate 3D. And I was uh so i'm a big cinema file like i love cinema and when i heard that there was a 48 frame rate coming out that made me really jazzed because it's basically twice the frame rate of normal uh normal movies and it's something that we've become very very accustomed to especially as americans is getting that flicker getting that kind of grainy look right but the hobbit 48 frames per second in 3d is like the clearest video. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is video because it's digitally projected. Uh, but it's super, super clear. And um, in some ways, it's kind of off putting. <laughs> uh, you know, there have been, I, I saw, com- I heard comments going in saying it looks like a BBC show. You know, BBC shows look kind of weird. Like they have, they look different than American shows um, because they're actually, you know, they're, Broadcasts in PAL instead of NTSC. PAL has a higher uh, refresh rate, so they're actually clearer. Um, but it you looks... mean something like Planet Earth or what? Uh, well, Planet. Are you Earth... talking Planet Earth or Doctor Who? I'm talking Doctor Who. I'm talking Doctor okay. Who. I'm talking the British Office. I'm talking Luther. I'm talking Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I'm talking the Inbetweeners. If we have any British. Uh, British listeners, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can kind of tell. Like, it looks kind of weird. It looks kind of dreamy. Um, and it also looks kind of, uh, like, you know when you're in school and you'd have to, like, watch a, a movie of a play? Like, that's kind of what it looks like. Hmm. Um, and uh, and some people said it looked fake. Some, pe- some people said it looked like a reality TV show. Some people really, said it looked like a soap opera. Really, the movie about hobbits looked fake? <laughs> well, that's part of it. They didn't look like real hobbits and dwarves? Well, it's interesting. So in certain lights, the the high frame rate does look kind of weird. It kind of takes you out of it. It reminded me of like the old, I don't know if you watch these, but they were like the old version of the Chronicles of Narnia movies that were produced hmm. in like the 80s. It kind of looked like that, and it kind of did look fake in a way because it looked like it looked so real that it looked like a play. Like you know when you go to a play and it's like it's kind of hard to like get into it because you're so used to watching movies that it's kind of weird to see this thing happening on stage and you're like, come on guys, you could snap out of it at any moment. Weird, <laughs> you know. And it, that's it's it, it looked like filming a play in certain scenes, and most of those scenes were like the bright scenes, huh? Um, and, and especially right off the bat, there's a lot of bright scenes and it kind of is a little off putting. I think so. It's, it looks, it looks more like actors on a, like on a soundstage. Yeah. On a stage. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It looks like actors huh. on a stage. Weird. Um, and you, it, it, you're like, you know, when you watch like special features on a DVD uh-huh. and, and they're like filming the filming and then you're like, well, that looks really weird. Right. Like they're not. It's not framed up. There's no. Uh, there's no color correction on it. It just. Right. Looks, it's just like a news camera filming a thing, and it's like that looks really weird. That doesn't look like right. a movie. 
I think part of that is that we've been so uh, so trained, our eyes and our minds have been so trained over the years to watch movies in this way that like you, we have to have that graininess of the film. We have to have that flicker of the film uh, in order to in order to feel like it's a like it's a real movie. Um, hmm. So it does take some getting used to. And initially, I was like, I don't really, I don't know about this. But then, as the movie went on. I realized that it has some extremely distinct advantages over your regular frame rate. Okay. Um, and uh, and those dis- and those distinctions are, it's for special effects like the CGI in this movie. It looks fucking real. Like it looks real. Um, mini spoiler alert: there is a scene where an eagle picks up a guy. And they do a close-up of the talon, of one of those giant eagles, of the talon picking up the dwarf in slow, super slow motion and bringing him out. And it looks real. I mean, it looks exactly like a real, you know, you know it's CGI because of what it is, but it looks exactly real. I um, saw, no, that... That wasn't the movie. You're just thinking of that YouTube video that got really popular right. yesterday. Oh, that is, yeah, that was. But that was also shot in 48 FPS. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, so, I, and, and and all of the all of the CGI, uh, you know, I think people know in The Hobbit, there's a dragon who guards gold. Uh, mm-hmm. They do a close up of the dragon's eye, and I actually got a little like taken aback because, hey. you know, all of the CGI you've ever seen before. You can tell it's CGI. It's still got that weird, like, smooth texture yeah. and that. This looked real, especially in 3D and 48 frames per second. Like, the the weird textures on its eye, it was so detailed that it looked real. Like, you really felt like you were looking at a dragon. Um, maybe, Eric, maybe dragons are real and just live in... Uh... In New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, and then, then this is the moment where they decided to use them in yeah. cinema. Uh, so, so there's that. I think high frame rate is really good for that. I also think high, rate, high frame rate is great for action sequences. So there's, you know, you're always going to lose a little bit when you're doing an action sequence in, like, fast movements. Because of the uh, 24 fl- frames per second, you're going to get that flicker. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to get that graininess, and it's going to take something away. Um, there's a scene... Where they're basically running through this uh, this giant uh, uh, landscape, getting attacked on all sides, and there's these long, <laughs> continuous shots, and it's amazing because you could see absolutely everything that happens, and nothing gets lost on you. Like hmm. you could see every little detail and every little attacking creature and every little uh, swipe of a sword, and it's so crystal clear that you've never seen action like this before. It's it's so smooth and beautiful, and it really is like like looking at it in real life. I mean, this is there. So in certain scenes, it's off putting, I think, because it looks so real. But uh, but I think in in the action sequences and with the CGI, they really were able to incorporate that into something that is amazing. Um, and um, while I was initially a little off put, I think it took some getting used to. I'm definitely going to watch the next Hobbits, uh, the next Hobbit movies in high frame rate because I think it adds to the vision of Peter Jackson as a director for the for the whole series. Interesting. But anyway, getting the story, I loved it. I came out of the movie jazzed. 
you know, like when you're a kid and you like watch an action movie or something and you walk out of the theater and you're like jazz, you're like happy. Like that's right. how I, that's how I felt when I left the theater. And you're like doing fake sword fights in the parking lot. Yeah, and I and the thing that the thing that I loved and I realized it's about halfway through is that if you've never if you know somebody who's never played Dungeons and Dragons and like <laughs> they like to make fun of you for playing it or you're afraid to tell them that you've played it or you've never played it. Uh this movie is Dungeons and Dragons. Like oh. this movie is a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Mm-hmm. It's like everything that would happen in the, and, and there's all these different little set pieces and they all come together and uh they you know they get in the trouble and then they fight their way out and then they get in the trouble and they fight their way out and there's a little bit of story and they get in the trouble and they fight their way out. It's it's exactly a Dungeons a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And like you could play this if you wanted. I mean, you could be a wizard. You could have a wizard and a dwarf fighter and a and a and a halfling, you know, bard or whatever, and, and like play through the campaign. Uh, and I, that I think that's why I got so much joy out of it. Is like, uh, you know, I've. It's kind of weird for me because I was kind of introduced to fantasy not through uh, not through Tolkien, uh, but I was introduced to fantasy first through. Dungeons and Dragons, and then through Magic the Gathering. And I think this movie, much, much better than the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, kind of shows you why those things are fun. And mm-hmm. if you are into those things, it will make you appreciate these things. You know, I've been, I talked about it in the last podcast, I've been getting into Magic again. And, like, I just think about, like, how, like, that's a creature and it's equipped with that artifact or, like, right. that creature is now using that ability and that's happening. And um, it just makes it really fun. Like, it was just a rip-roaring ride and it reminded me of playing D&D with you guys or, like, getting into a really fun magic game and thinking about how that magic game would actually play out in real life. Right. Um, so I loved it. Um, and if you're going to see it, see it in the high frame rate. It's kind of a new experience. I don't know what you'll think about it. Um, but you should definitely watch it in 3D because it's got great 3D as well. What do you say to the people who are saying it's too long and that they, I, I'm not going to name names, but yeah. uh, certain people who might be on a podcast network with us said it was crazy to make it into three three-hour-long movies. Uh, well, I, I didn't think it was long at all. It didn't seem long. It seemed short. Um, it seemed a lot shorter than Skyfall. That's because of all the hobbits and dwarves. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I think that it keeps it keeps it moving in a great way. Like I said, it's a lot of set pieces. It's a lot of they get in the here, they fight their way out. They get in there here, they fight their way out. Um, and I really thought, like uh, you know, I felt like it felt shorter than Skyfall. It felt shorter than The Dark Knight Rises. It even felt shorter than The Dark Knight. I feel like it felt like a really uh, maybe is you know it might be a very personal thing. I was just having such a good time watching it. And, like, really having a fun time. All the characters are really fun. Um, it captures the spirit of the fun of The Hobbit, whereas Lord of the Rings trilogy is a little more dark. Um, mm-hmm. And I just had a great time. I mean, I, I felt like it did not seem like it was three hours long to me. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check it out. I, def- I want to see it the way it's meant to be seen. Yeah. Which is a uh, 3D high frame rate. I, yeah. Like I, I was really glad I saw Prometheus the way it was meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. So there's there's something to be said about you know watching it the way the director wants it to be watched. Right. And so. you kind of get his vision of it. But yeah, I love The Hobbit. I'm gonna give it an early reco and uh, 
I think anybody out there who, uh, like Lord of the Rings or likes any type of fantasy thing, uh, honestly, I liked The Hobbit better than I liked any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Wow. So. Ringing endorsement. I've been so champed to play D&D lately. I'm having a crazy D&D craving. I got this world that I love so much, and I want to tell more stories in that world. Yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see it. All right. I think it's now time to do some trivia. Um, so please play along at home. We're going to be doing Genus 1 Trivia Pursuit. I'm going to be rolling a six-sided die. I rolled a one. It means it's geography time, baby. All right. I love geography. Possibly my favorite. Yeah, I think I like it, too. I think it's my favorite, too. I get excited yeah. about it. Um, well, it's, a, it's a favorite favorite, favorite foes edition. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jesse, this one's for you. Please play along at home. What river flows above the Holland Tunnel? What river flows above the Holland Tunnel? Um, I feel like I don't know the Holland. I don't even. I feel like the Holland Tunnel is going to be like in New York or something. I'm just going to say that the Thames. I think it is in New York because is New York used to be New Amsterdam, right? Uh, so I'm going to say the Hudson. The Hudson. Got it. All well, right. There you go. <laughs> this one's for me. Uh, what is New York City's Street of Forgotten Men? Whoa. Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, Street of Forgotten Men. I'm going to say Madison Avenue. I'll say uh, Fifth. <laughs> the Bowery. Mm. A lot of New York questions here today. All right, Jesse, this one's for you. Please play along at home. What city would you visit to see the Con Tiki Raff? What city? Okay. Um, well, that that went from e- Easter Island, I believe, and they sailed it to South America, but I think they may have like constructed it in Africa or something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say um, Lima. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go the other side of the Pacific. I'll go Auckland, Oslo. Oh, Norwegian. the guy, yeah. the guy was Norwegian. All right, Jesse, you need to steal this to win, but I get the first stab out of it. What is the state motto of California? And I'm gonna say, uh, the uh. <laughs> <laughs> In California, bear down. <laughs> I'm going to say Eureka. It is Eureka. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, baby. How did you know it. that? I don't know, because they're into the gold rush That stuff. is crazy. <laughs> All right, you know what that means. It means it's a geography tiebreaker. person who's geographically closest to the answer wins. Jesse, you get the first stab out of it. What is the Grand Canyon state? Mm. See, there's a lot of states with the Grand Canyon in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Colorado. All right, I'll go Arizona. It's Arizona. Oh, bummer. Boom, 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 boom. Eric, well, we split it this week, Jesse. 
Because you won the roll-off, so you get to talk second. Okay, well, you actually mentioned, you, you grazed upon this subject earlier uh-huh. when you mentioned that at your workplace you did not uh, participate in a secret Santa. Right. But I did at my workplace. Ah. And um, so I, I thought we could discuss uh, office secret Santas here because it, okay. is, it is a bit of a, I don't know. It's where, I you mean, can really I, screw it up. I've done them in the past, and uh, um, to, to, to differing levels of success. But I feel like I always bring it. Um, I'm talking about success in terms of what I get. Oh right, <laughs> get back. But you can <laughs> screw it up. I mean, you don't want to. If you're not in a gag gift type of environment, you don't want to gag gift it up. Uh, right. Or you want to just have a gift that's like in there. It's like kind of funny, but it's also good, and people. I think in a Secret Santa, you want something that people want. It's not the thing where you, like, get a mug out of your cupboard and put a roll of quarters in it. Actually, that would be kind of cool. Right. I could use a roll of yeah, quarters. That, that one's not too bad with the quarters. But I've seen, I've seen in the past, I've seen people bring, like, used candle holders with, like, the candle wax still on them. See, were you in a white elephant? Well, Secret oh, yeah, Santa yeah, or no, standard? I, that was, it was, it was, it was a white elephant. That was a white. Okay, elephant. I have I only I have experience standard. in white elephant. So so you're actually buying a present for someone, right? Okay, and um, so basically in my situation, uh, I work at a brewery, mm-hmm. and uh, basic so people were finding out who their secret Santas were. Like my boss, uh, he just he pulled a name out and went to the guy and asked what he wanted. <laughs> and he said a bottle of Jameson. So he bought him a bottle of Jameson. So that's one way to do it. But I think that kind of that kind of uh cheapens the whole thing. Yeah, because I that's the thing is I get jazzed off of giving gifts. Like yeah, I like too. to buy a gift that I know someone will use. Now Jesse, but, I want you to do me a favor right now. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at your keychain. Uh-huh. What's on your keychain? Um there is oh right yeah the the knife slash bottle opener knife slash that you bottle gave me. two years ago you still have it on your keychain I, I see love that. that thing I see that as a gift worth giving yeah that was a great one it's perfectly tailored to me because I like to open bottles and mm-hmm. I need the utility of cutting open right. boxes and stuff at you like work. to stab but, stuff mm-hmm. yeah exactly I've cut myself with that thing once or twice um. <laughs> But so, like, my boss, the one who bought the bottle of Jameson, he was kind of disenfranchised with it because a couple of years ago, he got a bummer gift, which was, like, uh, pajama pants with the Budweiser logo on them and what? Uh, mitten warmers, like those reusable mitten warmer things. Yeah. And, and he was lamenting about this, like, it was the death of his kin or something he like when it came up like he was visibly upset by receiving a bad secret santa gift so who like him, the pressure was kind the, of on who gives a head brewer budweiser pants yeah that one's kind of stupid so someone really dropped the ball on that does that person still work there because that's pretty Not awkward anymore okay but uh she's a bartender anyway yeah. i i have opinions that i don't need to voice about <laughs> bartenders but <laughs> Um, so, uh, I, I draw this guy is our new sales guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, the guy I'm buying a gift for. Uh-huh. And he had recently borrowed the brewery copy of the joy of homebrewing. Uh-huh. I know, I know he doesn't homebrew, but, um, I had heard 
secondhand that he has at least somewhat of an interest in it. So I put together kind of the poor man's homebrew kit. I go oh, to cool. Lowe's. I buy a couple of plastic five-gallon buckets and lids. I take the drill and drill holes in them for that fit the airlock. So I bought him like an airlock, a rubber stopper, iodine for sanitizing, right. and some steeping stacks, and a hydrometer for measuring your uh, your sugar uh-huh. in your solution. And uh, I'm I'm going there. I wrap it up and everything. I'm feeling okay about it. And then about like. Once the party's going, we're eating. I know that the Santa's coming up, and I start having like a panic attack. I'm like, you know, I don't know for sure that this guy's even remotely interested. Like, I've never had a conversation with him. What if he thinks this sucks? I just bought him, like, I bought him iodine in buckets. I started like freaking out. And uh, I get my gift, and it's what I'm drinking right now, actually. And it's like a gift pack of uh, Grey Goose vodka. uh, Ah. A 750 ml of it, so a, a, like a fifth of Grey Goose and a yeah. little shaker thing. Cool. I'm like, well, shit. Now I'm, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I bought a knife to a gunfight, right? And I'm going to get out <laughs> class here. And then it, it comes time for him to open it up, and everyone's like, "A bucket?" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Question mark. And he's like, "Well, let's take a, le- a peek under the lid and see what's in there." And he saw he recognized it as homebrew equipment, and he was stoked. Like, yeah, he was so happy. It's like, "All right, this is awesome. I'm going to Montana next week, but when I come back, I was planning on starting my first brew, and now I have this stuff." And he loved it, and it was like, "That is sweet, I don't man." Know, the, the pressure was suddenly off, but yeah, I, I was having like a panic attack over this. Well, it is. It's so weird, especially if you don't know the person that you're buying for, right? So, I mean, that's, that's tough. I don't know. I've never actually done a real secret Santa. I've done a, I've done the, the old, uh, white elephants. Mm-hmm. Where you Which have, is like, a weird one. Cause you're just buying each other crap that you don't want. But I've done it. I feel like I've done a good job. So, so like, what have you done? Cause I, I thought we could talk about yeah. what are some good go-to secret Santa ideas. Well, so I, I've done two secret Santas. One of them was a $10 maximum, which is just, you're just getting crap at that point. Right. Right. And then the second one was a $20 maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, so the $10 maximum one, I just went with the DVD. And I went with Elf because it's a Christmas movie. It's digestible. Yeah. A lot of different people like it. You can get it for like $7.99 at Target. Um, and it went, it went great. Like it was a good middle of the road. Uh, this is something I'll actually keep. Maybe my kids will watch it. Maybe I'll watch it next Christmas. It's always good to have a little Christmas movie in the house. Right. So And I, it's thematically appropriate. Right. Right. And I, and I got a, uh, I think that year I got like a little, uh, uh, like an Allen wrench set. Oh, is, that's a good gift. Yeah, it's not too bad. Not too shabby. Eh, uh, put it in the yeah, toolbox. Yeah, put it in the toolbox. Uh, but then my $20 gift, this is where, now I don't know if these are around the country or not, but there's a store uh, there's a store in Redmond here in Washington um, called Tuesday Morning. Have you heard about this place? Uh, no. Tuesday Morning is a store. No, I think I have. Have you talked about this before? Well, basically what they do is they, they get a shipment of stuff every Tuesday morning. Right. <laughs> and they don't really know what it is, but they put it on the shelves and it's super cheap. It's so and weird. It's always just filled with crap. It's kind of like a glorified dollar store, but there's like... You know, there's nicer things, and there's like microwaves, and then there's like uh, I don't know, like radio control cars and stuff. I don't know. Uh, 
There's a lot of lawn ornaments. So uh, for Secret Santa this le- this year, I or the uh, the last one that I did, I went to Tuesday morning. They had crock pots for sixteen ninety nine. Wow. Yeah, and the girl who got the crock pot was stoked. Mm-hmm. Like the crock pot is a good gift. I feel like a sixteen ninety nine crock pot could destroy your home. Probably, but it, that's the whole thing. It's all about appearance. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I think that. The main thing is get something that you would want to get, and I think that that would be, you know, fine. Yeah, there was one gag gift at our uh, party, but it went over pretty gangbusters. Uh It was like a radio control uh, helicopter thing. Oh, those are cool. But but it said the word fuck. It was literally a flying (laughs) fuck. So the guy busted it out and like... Flew it around the restaurant that we were at and everything. So that was pretty neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you guys have a price limit? Yeah, ours was $25. Yeah. Eh, you know, put it on the pizza. But I'd say probably half the people got booze. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You guys are pretty boozy over there. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's a brewery uh, party and we were at this restaurant, but like, it's a small, very small restaurant. So we had like the whole place. It was private. And uh-huh. there's a huge counter of liquor and there's wine at every table and stuff. And no one was drinking beer except for me. <laughs> it's like, am I the only person here who actually likes beer? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think so. Oh, man. Well, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and move on to my second topic. Yeah. And it goes right along with your theme, Jesse. And I think we did this last year. But I want to revisit it. It's Geek Gift Ideas uh, for oh, the Geek okay, in Your perfect. Life. And I know a lot of people have been listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, and we're getting a lot of feedback about our beer talk. We're also getting a lot of intrigued uh, feedback about our board game talk. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think uh, you can always buy a gift for yourself as well during the holidays. And if you want to get into some board gaming... Um, I want to just start there, and we'll, we'll move we'll move on uh, for board gaming. But I think we can talk a little bit about uh, the type of board games that you can get uh, at different price points. Okay. So, um, if you're going to spend less than twenty dollars on a board on a board game, um, I think that uh, there's one that comes to mind, and that's Citadels. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, mm-hmm. too. I, I forget how much that goes for. I thought that was more like $22 or something. Yeah, but. it's like 22 On Cool Stuff, Inc., it's it's sixteen ninety nine. Oh, that's such a good deal. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, in that under $20 or around the $20 range, I think that's a really good gift. Because um, mm-hmm. it's a fun game. It's easy to learn. Uh, and the more you play it, the more you start to like it because... Every time you play it, you kind of learn a new strategy, right? And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like you can have a lot of fun with it. You can choose like this time I'm gonna kind of do this kind of a strategy and see right. how it works. I enjoy games like that where you're not kind of railroaded into one strategy because you know that's the best way to do it. Yeah, and that's what's you know Citadels is. It's basically a game where you are trying to build your city or your citadel. 
and uh, and each round you take a different role. So you're like a king, or you're a bishop, or you're a warlord, or you're an architect, or you're a merchant, or you're an assassin, or you're a thief, or you're a magician. <laughs> Those, that's actually all of the options. Uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, <laughs> and uh, in each round you kind of pick a role, and then you you're, or you're each building a city. And you're trying to build basically the best city of anyone. Um, right. And it's a really fun game. And and I think the other thing I really like about Citadels is if you have a gaming group, uh, the people that you play with, as you play over time, you'll each evolve to strategies to kind of undermine each other. Right. And you, you kind of evolve as a group the more you play it, which I really like. Turn one, take the assassin, kill the architect, yeah, and watch Levi cry. Well, I mean, the architect is like the the if if the architect is not available first round, that is the, that is the card you have to play. We'll we'll do a we'll do a full hour on Citadel strategy <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but in the uh, in the twenty to thirty dollar range, I think this is where we're starting to get kind of interesting, right? Um, twenty to thirty dollar range. I actually want to recommend a game that I just picked up that I really really like. And that's Red November. Um, oh, we've played it. Yeah, and I haven't played it with other people. I played it by myself. But oh, I didn't know it had a solo. It's a, it's a cooperative game, and I think that cooperative games are a game type that a lot of people aren't used to. Um, but I love cooperative games; they're my favorite type of games. And basically, what a cooperative game is is you're playing against the board. Everybody either wins or loses. Like there's no single winner, and I love that co-op as- aspect of it. And uh, this is a game, Red November is a game that you can play solitaire, and it's pretty fun. Hmm. It's basically just like your own little video game, but it's on a tabletop. And, Co-op uh, games are your favorite type of game? I think so, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Just because I don't like to lose. And yeah, that's that's what makes winning so fun. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, you don't get butt hurt during a co-op game. Like, well, if I'm, you win, then you don't get butt hurt. I've never had a game, I've never had a co-op game that I played that I'm like just super butt hurt at the end. Well, kind of pandemic, but I don't really like. <laughs> it. But anyway, it's it's uh, you can pick up Red November. Basically, the premise of Red November is you are a bunch of gnomes on a submarine. Everything's going wrong, and you have to survive for an hour uh, till help arrives. But it's pretty difficult to do, um, and uh, and I lo- I really like it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend that. You can pick it up for like 20 bucks on Cool Stuff, Inc. At your friendly local game store, it's going to be about 25 Do you have any games that are kind of in that range? I mean, I know Citadels is also kind of in that range. Yeah, in the, in the $20 range, I don't know. Yeah, 20 to 30 um, 20 to 30 I mean, Thern and Taxis is kind of in that range. But, yeah. yeah. I think we should move on. I think the thirty to forty dollar range is kind of where you start getting the the cool games. I mean, thirty to forty. Oh, in the, but, well, in the twenty to thirty dollar range, you can get car, you can get a uh, Settlers of Catan for that price. I think. Yeah, Settlers and uh, Carcassonne might fall yeah, within Settlers there. And, Settlers and Carcassonne definitely. Um, but in the in the in the thirty to forty dollar range, that's where you're getting your Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you're getting your. Uh, in some cases, Battlestar Galactica. Your Blood Bowl team manager. Yeah, Blood Bowl team manager. Um, I think that if you're looking for a board game, look for Fantasy Flight. 
They they do yeah, put some fancy stinkers flight out. only makes quality products. They they put some stinkers out there from a game uh play perspective, but they're always the highest quality in terms of uh rule book, um, yeah, your components and components, uh, all your little pieces like the, it's it's pretty impressive what they can do. Um but I think Puerto Rico. I really like Puerto Rico. I think it's a little bit of a timeless game, but it's really kind of hard to learn. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely takes a, a couple plays through. Mm-hmm. Uh, playthroughs, yeah. plays through. I don't know. Yeah, I would recommend Power Grid, but I know you don't really like Power Grid. Yeah, Zuleretto is a uh, oh Zuleretto is great, popular one. That's right yeah. in that range. I'm trying to think of trying to think of some other games that like I don't necessarily own, but I would like mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think so. Let's go. Let's just go forty plus. So if you're spending more than forty bucks, uh, now you're in the range where you're basically choosing between a video game and a board game. And and in my opinion, mm-hmm. you should always choose the board game because I always get way more replayability out of a board game. Plus, you're actually, you know, socializing, which is good. It holds its value a lot better. It does. It really does. Um, so here you're looking at Arkham Horror. Yeah. Um, you're looking at, uh, you know, there's a new game, Zombie Side, which is really getting a lot of cred, um, which is like a zombie uh, apocalypse strategy game. I'm just so burned out on zombies. Me too. <laughs> but it's getting a lot of cred. It's got a lot of cool pieces. Um, but I think Arkham Horror is kind of the one that we love the most. Yeah, yeah. either that or Agricola. Agricola. Oh, and, and absol- absolutely Agricola. That's such a money game. I played that again last night and had a really good time. It's yeah. crazy how you can go keep going back to that game and keep enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And this is just, I'm really only playing it two players, so that's what makes that fun. You can play Arkham Horror two players and have a real um, a real good experience there as well. Yeah, but you're going to get your ass kicked. Not if you do it right. If you, well, if you play multiple uh, characters per person, you can play four-player no. game with two people. Or, or you're just good. <laughs> or, or you just gotta be good. Um, other uh, other games on the cheaper side, I just want to highlight. Um, there's a new game, King of Tokyo, which is getting a lot of uh, awards. It got a it got a, uh, a board game award, and uh, I mean, sorry, board game geek award. And I think the King of Tokyo is it's yeah, it's made by Richard Garfield, who created <laughs> Magic: The Gathering. Right. So. Um, but it's getting a lot of fun, and it, it won best party game, it won best family game. So if you're kind of trying to get into board gaming, King of Tokyo might be a fun thing. You're basically playing as giant monsters, um, and uh, it's really cool. There's another game out there called Monsters Menace America, which I like just because of the f- the flavor is so fun. But it's kind of terrible from a gameplay perspective. <laughs> uh, but King of Tokyo sounds like it's kind of perfected that genre a little bit. Right, Bang is also another one that Bang, Bang would be a great game to open up on Christmas and oh, play yeah. with the family. Gang? You can even get grandma involved, and yeah, Bang is one of those games that it gets better with the more people you're playing with. Yeah, exactly. Having a large group, if you can max that out, yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. Basically, it's a Bang old is... Western theme, mm-hmm. so everyone can kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it's a spaghetti Western, and basically trying to kill each other, but you're trying to figure out. Who the sheriff is, who the renegade is, or who the deputies are, who the outlaws are, and nobody knows who anybody is. The only people who know is is, is who the sheriff is. So you're a bunch right. of posse's trying to kill each other, but you don't know if you're killing the right person, which is kind of fun. Another um, good one for the PG-13 crowd is for Christmas would be Cards Against Humanity. That would be a great yeah. one. Yeah, if you um, got if you got a family that likes to drink at Christmas, 
Yeah, That's the exactly. Game Wait till the the kitties have tuckered themselves out, and uh, all all the aunts and uncles are a little loosey goosey on the <laughs> social lubricant, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Cards Against Humanity would be great. Yeah, and then I also want to throw in their cash and guns. I really like that game as a party game. Um, and the, the fun thing about that, so basically the premise is that you're a bunch of gangsters coming back from a uh, a score, and you're trying to split up the loot. But nobody trusts anybody, and everybody keeps pulling guns on each other. The funnest thing about it is that everybody gets a foam gun, and then you get to like point at people around the table, and then you <laughs> and then you take piles of money. It's fun. Yeah, that and is fun. Yeah, so that that should be good. Is uh, so I also want to talk about from this perspective, Jesse, and you kind of touched on this. Is like if you got somebody because we got a lot of beer drinkers here, so you got somebody who's trying to get into uh, home brewing. What do you think you should get them for Christmas? Uh that's a that's a hard question because homebrew kits are kind of a premium item, and like you can't really just buy someone part of a kit is the thing. Mm. It's like there's a lot of equipment that you need, and unless you're going to buy someone everything they need, then just one piece of the puzzle is not going to really work. If if you know there's someone who wants to get into homebrewing, I would recommend. Uh, the Joy of Homebrewing, Complete Joy of Homebrewing by Papazian. That's like the Brewer's Bible. Uh-huh. Um, there's also Design Great Beers by Ray, Ray something. <laughs> <laughs> by Ray. By Ray. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I w- I'd probably recommend those books beyond equipment mm-hmm. just because equipment has a bit of a price to it. And you, it's hard to know exactly what everyone has and what they need. Um, some good items are uh, a nice pot for on the stove, like a five-gallon stock pot. Like, that's hard to beat. And that's useful for other applications beyond brewing. So that's always good. Like a giant slotted spoon is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to go into the homebrew store, you could pick up like and, – and you're looking in the 10 to $20 range. You could always pick up dry – or liquid malt extract because that stores really well. You could put that in the on your shelf for a couple months mm. and it would still be fine. So, all right. And then I'd recommend the book. So, okay. And then uh, the final thing I want to recommend is people who you know you're listening to a podcast right now. Maybe you think you should start gabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I think uh, podcasting is uh, something that's it's really fun. Obviously, we like to do it. We've been doing it for two and a half years now. Uh, but if you want to get into it, I think that you really, you know, there's a lot of USB microphones out there. And uh, just from my perspective, uh, you know, I think you should get a mixer in a, tra- in a traditional setup because um, it's going to be a lot more versatility in terms of what you can do. Um, right. So, you know, I would, for, for, for very beginners, I would definitely recommend Behringer. Um, I know that there are definitely, if, if you're a sound guy, you're rolling your eyes right now. But Behringer stuff is great. We record on a Behringer mixer every week. Um, you could pick up a little five-channel mixer for like 35 bucks, brand new. Um, and then you can get a Behringer microphone, uh, you know, a little uh, condenser microphone, which will give you really good voice quality, and those are about 60 bucks. And you could probably get a whole set together for, you know, just a little over $100. And... Uh, and then you can just start saying what you want, put it online, and seeing if people want to listen to it. <laughs> That's about uh, all there is to it, really. Yeah. But if you're getting into it, you know, a microphone and a mixer, um, and you're well on your way. And then uh, if you want to uh, 
if you want to record, just get Audacity. It's a freeware program. That's what we record on every week. And uh, we've always recorded on that program, and it works great. It's got great little effects. And um, and uh, so if you get somebody somebody a microphone and a mixer and, and uh, point them toward Audacity, um, you know, they're well on their way to, to making it, uh, making their own podcast. And like we said earlier, it's really get, easy to get it on iTunes. So anyway. You go, girl. You go, girl. That's our holiday gift guide. Um, we should definitely move on to recommendations and call it a cast. But uh, first, I want to uh, give a shout out to the Bald Move Network. Uh, as you know, uh, we are part of the Bald Move Network, and we couldn't be happier to be a part of the Bald Move Network. Uh, just want to highlight a couple things. Uh, the Walking Dead mid-season three wrap-up uh, is now up on the site. Uh, if you want to hear about that mid-season uh, wrap-up, uh, all the things that happened from fall until now, and that first season of or the first half of season three of the Walking walking dead uh check out the watching dead uh, it's great also um really cool aaron got to uh, be a part of a um of a uh interview with uh one of the walking dead writers sang q kim um so definitely check that out that's on the site right now um and we have to give a shout out to our uh good friends the ladies over at the because show uh that's our that's the newest podcast on the bald Boom network uh, this week they did some book reviews, um, and uh, they did they talked about uh, one of a uh, neo noir movie from the mid nineties called The Last Just Last Seduction. Um, if you listen to us every week and you're a little afraid to let your girlfriend or your significant other talk to, uh, listen to us, why don't you point them over to the Because Show? Because same sensibilities, but uh, more refined, better talk, well, differently refined, differently refined. <laughs> we're refined like a fine beer and they're refined like a fine wine there you go Let's put it that way um and they talk about great you know they talk about uh you know great stuff uh that uh that that uh, your significant other might love um staying fashionable down to nabby um and a lot of other stuff so uh so please uh go listen to the because show and uh that's the bald move network Please check us out, baldmove.com, and uh, check us out on Facebook. You can find us there. Become part of the community. Um, so, Jesse, why don't we do some recommendations? Call it a cast. What do you say? Yeah, uh, you stepped on my first recommendation a little bit. Sorry about that. I was going to recommend episode 51 of said Because Show, which uh-huh. features uh, an audio clip from yours truly. Um. Oh, really? Yeah, the look for that. Look for that. Um, uh, my first recommendation this week is going to be uh, CeeLo Green's Christmas album. Oh, really? I'm not going to lie. This is one of the uh, best Christmas albums I've ever heard. Like, it's right up there. And I'm a little bit of an aficionado. I like to get the LPs. <clears throat> I got the Beach Boys Christmas album. I got the Ray Charles Christmas album. I got the fucking Barbara Streisand Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with that. The saying the f word twice doesn't make it any less. It's edgy, bizarre. buddy. It's edgy. Okay. <laughs> okay. That is a Jewish woman singing about baby Jesus' birth. That is edgy. No, shit. you make a good point. That is bizarre. But then again, it's not that bizarre. Yeah. I could, yeah. Uh, CeeLo Green's Christmas album, right up there with all of those. I love it. It's got cameos from the Muppets, mm-hmm. from Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. If you got the Muppets and Rod Stewart on the same album, I'm there. Okay, mm. and I'm I'm mm. here. I love it. I really do love this uh, love this CD. So if you're looking for a Christmas album to rock out to this holiday, go go for CeeLo Green. 
Okay. Uh, my recommendation is uh, a new a new magazine that has entered the world. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The first edition of it was fall 2012. It's called American Spirits. It's a uh, magazine for craft distillers and their fans. And I'm I'm getting more and more interested in uh, craft distilling. I'm I, I'm not. I don't know. I don't have a super refined palate, but it, I'm very curious about distilling and everything mm-hmm. that uh, goes along with it. And this, uh, this article, this uh, magazine features an article which, in a roundabout way, through a couple degrees of uh, separation, comes back to us. Uh, last week on the show, I mentioned Epic Ale's Oyster Stout right. that they debuted at. Cask Fest. Well, there's an article in here about the parents of Cody from Epic Ales in Hoodsport, Washington, who opened a distillery. No way. Yeah, and the guy's wearing uh, his dad's wearing an Epic Ales shirt in shit the uh, photo shoot, which is pretty cute. That shit cray. Yeah, isn't it? So, um, yeah. yeah, friend of the show and all around nice dude, Cody. Brewer and founder of Epic Ales. His parents are now in the distilling business and they're featured in this American Spirit magazine. The premiere issue just came out. That shit cray, man. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. All right. My recommendation this week is going to be a uh, documentary I started watching on Netflix. It's like it's, I think it's like a six-part series. It's called America in Primetime. And I know especially our Bald Move fans will be excited about this uh, because... Uh, it basically goes through the history of archetypes in television. Um, so it, the first episode is all about the man. So it starts off with Father's no- Father Knows Best and ends with Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Um, and then the second episode is all about the woman. So it starts with, like, I Love Lucy and then moves up through Mary Tyler Moore and then into The Good Wife. Um, so it's 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 really interesting, and I really enjoy it. Um, and each episode is like a full hour because it's it's a PBS documentary, which means that the episodes fill the entire hour, which is really fun. Um, so I love it. It's called American Prime Time, and uh, and I would recommend anybody check it out. Um, so that's it. Uh, before we go, I just want to rec- I just want to remind you that you can always write us an email, personalergots at gmail dot com. Um, you can uh, leave us a note on our Facebook page. We have the Bald Moon Facebook page and the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. Uh, Want to give a shout out to Michael Coffee, Patrick Mayer, because we uh, said we were playing. We said we were recording night. Uh, Patrick said, "I don't do anything until it's approved by you guys." Do you think counterfeiting money might make it into tonight's recos? Not tonight, but uh, you never might. You never know. <laughs> stay, uh, stay. Keep your ear to the ground there. Um, we got Tony Borer is liking us this week. We got James F. Cubby like liking us this week. Matt Adelsberger liking us this week. Um, so we like you for liking us, and uh, and that's about it. You can also give us call, leave us voicemail three six zero three six two zero zero two four. Um, Jesse, yes, is that it? I think that's it. Let's uh, wrap it up and call it a Secret Santa White Elephant gift for Let's- that coworker that you think might play D&D, but you're not sure. <laughs> yeah, don't get him the 3.5 complete manual set. Keep that for yourself. <laughs> Keep it for yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have a happy holiday, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Whichever one you choose. I like Saturnalia. I like Festivus. 
Saturnalia, that's where we get the tradition of caroling. Oh. It's a it's a Roman holiday um celebrating it's, it's solstice just like all those other ones were. Um mm-hmm. is like the the feast of the undying sun, Sol Invictus because you know the days start getting longer, so you know the sun is undying. It's like being reborn again because ah. you know it's it's starting to reconquer the night. And uh, the Romans would strip naked and go around s- the street singing and being drunk. Celebrate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess by the time it hit, like, England, it was just too cold to do it <laughs> naked, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, Festivus is the fictional holiday made up by <laughs> Seinfeld and by George, uh, George Costanza's father. Right. So. Festivus for the rest of us. There you go. Uh, so once again, thank you for letting us pour another hour of sound into your eardrums. Um, I'm Eric Walkless. That's Jesse Wilson. And we'd like to remind you that wherever you go and whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant.